0: Welcome to the Teens for Inclusive Athletics podcast.
1: This podcast was created by a team of student athletes from across the US, working to make youth sports inclusive for all identities, and it is a project from You Celebrate Diversity.
2: To
0: learn more or to get involved, visit ycdiversity.org.
2: In this episode, team members talk with Delaney Cleason, assistant coach for beach volleyball at Eckert College, about mental health, how to handle burnout and staying positive throughout competition.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Karina Samuel, and I'm a senior at North Broad Preparatory School in South Florida.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Josephine Kinlan, and I'm an incoming senior at the Bronx High School of Science in the Bronx, New York City.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Delaney Cleason, and I am a the assistant coach at um, Eckerd College for the beach team. Yes,
0: yeah, so we're here with Teens for Inclusive Athletes, which is a nationwide podcast aiming to prompt discussions about overlooked topics regarding inclusivity, and today's episode is about mental health. So, yeah.
1: So today we're welcoming Delaney Cleason as our guest speaker. Delaney is a very experienced volleyball athlete, coach, and um, mental health activist as far as mental health for athletes. She played four years as a libero at the University of Pittsburgh in college and her digs ranked second of all time in Panther history. Her senior year, she was named to the All-ACC Second Team whilst also playing for the USA Collegiate National Team. After college, she played two seasons of beach volleyball at Florida Atlantic University, garnering um, AVCA Honorable Mention All-American Honors. And after her collegiate and university athletic careers, she played professionally with various teams, most recently being ABP and ABP Next. And as she said recently, Delaney was added to the beach volleyball coaching staff at Eckerd College in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is a D2 collegiate beach volleyball program that is growing. Um, Delaney is also very avid about mental health um especially for athletes because it's becoming more mainstream the realization that um athletes struggle a lot with mental health because of everything else on their plate so we're very excited to hear some of her insight today and very grateful that she has agreed to speak with us yeah
2: thank you so much for that introduction um something i forgot i wanted to add was that just goes along perfect with this Podcast today is that um, I'm also a school counselor, so I talk about mental health in my day to day profession, um, and then being able to work with it together um, with athletes as well. Um, just it's you know it's close it hits home for me, so I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you. All right, so let's get into some of the questions. So we've broken this up into a couple of categories, and the first one is about burnout, overtraining, and injuries. So I'm sure as an athlete who has competed on the highest of levels, you've experienced this before. And also as a coach, you might've dealt with uh, maybe some of your athletes experiencing this as well. So what are some ways that coaches and other teammates can help prevent athletes from burning out on their teams?
2: Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that a way to avoid burnout is you have to keep the fun in it. So as a coach, right? Um, ways that I like to keep players engaged. Um, if you do have intense training schedule or if you practice various times a week, um, keeping the fun in it, like adding little games before practice as warm ups. I like to do that, um, or ending with something fun. Because a lot of the time you can't change your schedule. You have these certain, certain amount of days and times to practice. And, you know, over time that can really, um, you know, take a toll on an athlete. But if you are working hard as a coach to um, make that fun still part of the, a priority of this game, you know, that's why people come to play. It's I think that I've seen players... Um, and teammates who end up quitting the sport because they lost the fun it got too intense so I think um, really trying to find ways to engage your team and fun activities on and off the court or field um, is big for um, for burnout
0: yeah for sure
2: and then also um, taking breaks I read I think I read something in college and I think it was an article from um, Misty May. I, you know, I can't, I remember a piece of it, but I just remember that she said something in this, in this article that she takes like a month where she doesn't touch a ball at all. And, you know, that really... Um, resonated with me as a division one athlete at, you know, power five was like, what do you mean? We don't take time off. We, I stayed all summer. I graduated in three and a half years. I never stopped playing volleyball. And I read that. And as I've gotten older, I started to really see how important that is to take that time off, whether it's a week or a month, whatever feels right to you, but you do need to take a break from the sport. A little bit, you know, to miss it and get that hunger again. I think that also helps prevent with the burnout. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I was actually, um, I actually find that really interesting being from, um, Missy May, like one of the most decorated beach volleyball players of all time. Um, and I think that what you said exactly, like giving yourself time off to remember why you love the sport is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Well, the next question is more from a player's perspective. How can you overcome feeling burnout as an athlete?
2: I think that, you know, it's going to kind of tie in with that. I think it might be with what we were just discussing. Um, But I think that taking the break has to really come from you because you never want to hear that from a coach or your parents or teammates. Oh, take some time off because as athletes, we're just wired to work so hard and be go, go, go. So I think you have to really have, um, have that discussion with yourself and say, I'm starting to feel, and I have felt this as well, where you're just going through the motions and it's not necessarily that you're not getting better, but you just constantly feel like you're plateauing and you're just going through the motions and you're not giving your all all the time. So I think as a player, like that's, these are the things you kind of need to look for to recognize when you need to call yourself out to take a break, to prevent that burnout. So looking for when you feel like you're going through the motions, when you start to not feel, you know, excited or motivated, you know, when you start to feel those emotions, right. And we're talking about our mental health today. When you start to recognize yourself building a pattern of these emotions, that's when you need to say, I need to take a break. But the problem is so many of us, like, like I said, we're ready to go, 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 go. You know, coaches say you don't get to take a break. Like that's just how brain is wired and how we're trained as athletes and i think that's where there needs to be a shift because we're not really saying as like a culture around sports that it's okay to take a break you know so i think we need to kind of promote that a little bit more for the long run versus making people go so hard and then they never take that time for themselves or their mental health and then they end up just quitting
0: yeah and i can definitely relate to a lot of that especially the part where it's kind of like you feel like you're not having fun in the sport anymore because it's so much pressure to constantly perform your best at competition and that kind of gets us to the next question uh student athletes oftentimes they base their feeling of self-worth or their confidence on how well they're performing at competition or even during practices. So how do you think student athletes can work on kind of creating an identity for themselves beyond how well they're performing uh, in their sport? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I've definitely seen, I've seen this in myself and and in teammates. And it it seems to happen um, when, you make your whole world about your sport. I've had to learn, and it was a really hard lesson to learn that you are more than just your sport. Like I am more than just volleyball. I am more than just being an athlete. And what I've learned is that if you focus on those other areas of being a student, you know, being a good daughter, being more balanced in your life, you take some of that pressure off your self-worth being all about your sport. So I think, you know, in, in order to grow in your sport and, you know, have that confidence, you need to grow in other areas of your life. It takes the pressure off for your, your confidence, but then we're overall, it will help you. Yeah.
1: Very well said. Um, all right, I will ask the next question. So, um, oftentimes in, um, in a youth's athletic career, they'll also face setbacks that kind of take them away from the joy of the sport, like an injury. Um, what are some things that athletes should do or remember as they come back into a sport after an injury? Mm.
2: You have to give yourself grace, which is hard, right? Because, you expect to perform at how you were before the, before the injury. So I would say that you need to celebrate the little wins and really focus on being process driven. So what I mean by that is just focusing on one skill, one thing at a time and the process of getting better versus my end result, my end result in a skill. So when you're coming back, because the, the matter of fact is you're not going to be where you were on day one of coming back from your injury. So I think you have to really work on your mindset um, when you're going through an injury and really staying focused on, um, on enjoying the process and focusing on the process, you know, just keep getting better, keep getting better, because you will get there but not if you're only focused on the end result. So staying focused on the process and celebrating yourself along the way. Yeah,
0: definitely. That kind of also ties into the next question or the next topic at least about uh, healthy team environments and maybe team environments that can help athletes through injuries. So what do you think a healthy team environment looks like?
2: Um, well, a healthy team environment and culture is one where everyone feels safe. So what I mean by that is, um, everyone feels emotionally safe and physically safe. So I'm reading the culture code right now, which is a really, really great book and talks about, um, you know, a little bit from a culture perspective, uh, a coach perspective, but also from a player. In order to make your your team grow and have a positive culture, you need to have this environment where everyone feels safe around each other, where people can be vulnerable. And I think I saw the best um, example of this was when I was in college and and, um, we were in preseason, right? So you're with your team all the time. You're having double days, you're having dinner together, you're sleeping over. There's a lot of the team. So, you know, this is where most, um, most coaches focus on, you know, building that culture. And one thing that we did, um, was we did this thing called life stories. So every single night for like four nights, we had, um, we went into the locker room and the entire team, our coaching staff and our team sat in there in a big circle. And then we had one person sit in, you know, at the, the head of the, the head of the circle. And there was a couple questions. And basically it was, it was very scary <laughs> um, looking back at it because things were like, you know, tell us about your childhood. What was the most traumatic thing that happened in your life? What is your biggest fear? Where do you want to be in five years, right? So these are some deep questions and you have to say this in front of all of your teammates and coaches, right? So, um, you know, we took turns and you, you shared, you know, your 15 minutes about your life and looking back on it, it just created a culture where everyone was able to be vulnerable and that vulnerability made everyone feel emotionally safe. So there I was on this team where everyone felt emotionally safe because they were given an opportunity to be vulnerable with each other. So I think that's like something that's super powerful is creating uh, in creating that culture is it needs to be one where everyone feels safe they don't feel judged, they don't feel, um, you know, disappointment, all of these different things, so whatever you do, doing it together with your team, team and coaches, and I mean, that would be the biggest thing that I learned was creating an environment where people feel safe, Um, because then you can grow together, and you can fail together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: that. That's really insightful because I've actually I don't think I've ever heard something like that um, being on a team. And did you say that was at Florida Atlantic?
2: Um, That was at University of Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, that I guess um, that's definitely more of like an actionable step towards um, that sort of growth rather than um, I feel like some coaches would assume that because you're spending so much time with your team. A team culture is being established but i think that yeah. like that exercise is very proactive and thus like much more effective
2: yeah um, and yeah. you're you know it's it's scary right being vulnerable is scary but the connections that formed after that and you know coaches are just acting as facilitators mm-hmm. um so it was the craziest thing ever but it was so impactful on creating a team culture and when when you're changing a team as well so it was it was very different but something I would definitely use because it was impactful
1: well that ties very similarly um into our next question which is if you do not have that team culture how would you change it and um if you have any like as a coach or as a student athlete, maybe from either or both positions, if you're not in a healthy team culture, um, what are ways that you can change that?
2: Um, I think, um, it all comes back to working on our mindset. So I would kind of pinpoint, like, what, what is the area of the team that we're, you know, we're lacking, or what's the one part that's kind of, um, you know, holding us back? Is it, no one will step up to be a leader or, you know, people aren't liking each other off the court or there's, you know, leadership issues. What I would kind of determine as a coach, um, what the, those issues were. And then I would, you know, I would kind of find, um, I'm a big fan of team books, or like team readings and, you know, um, I would have the team read this book and I would have group discussions about it. Um, uh, it's something I've done before. I've been on a team that's done that. I've been a coach that's done that. Um, and then really talking through that with the team. So, but I think the, um, the, important part of that is it has to be something that's relating to your team. You're not going to read about a book that has, you know, nothing to do with what your team is. So you have to pinpoint why is, what's not working and why is it not working, right? And then finding a book or, you know, a video or whatever it is that connects to your team and working through it. That way you guys can shift, you know, work on changing mindsets um, to kind of help, you know, change that Um, that team culture. And then as, um, as a player, um, and as a leader, you can feel when it's not working, you can feel when there's something off. So I would, um, I would work on building relationships with the other people on, on our team and, you know, kind of asking questions about how they're feeling. And because maybe it's something that it can be solved with us being in a circle, a restorative practice of getting together and talking it out. Um, But really, people have to be willing to put in the effort and being open minded and open to change.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, That kind of ties in with the next question. So more recently, especially with the Olympics, there's been a lot of conversation about ways athletes can fight burnout, and just a lot more awareness about mental health. So we were wondering what your opinions on Simone Biles and other professional athletes that have spoken about mental health and taking a break from the sport when they need it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was in full support. You have no idea what is going on in another person's mind. Um, You don't know what's going on in their life outside of their sport you know? Um, and then you don't know what's, what, what battles they're, they're facing in their own life, in their own game. And it's kind of, it's like, what I mentioned before with the, the burnout, they have to be mature enough. And at a point where it's, where they've recognized I need to step back, you know, whether it's a, I need to step back so that I could, you know, keep competing in the future or, knowing that I need to step back because I'm not going to be able to, you know, perform the way that I know I can with what's going in my mind. It all starts with your mindset in, in, um, athletics. So you're, when I thought about Simone, I kept thinking about, you know, gymnastics is such an interesting sport and to throw yourself into the air, right? Imagine you imagine throwing yourself into the air, doing all the flips, but your mind isn't there. So if your mind is kind of questioning or, you know, doubting yourself or is just in another place because of, you know, whatever's going on in your life, how can you throw yourself into the air and do what you need to do when your mind is elsewhere? It's almost dangerous, right? So I think if we're struggling up in your mindset. Like that needs to be addressed first before you can get back onto the court or field. So I'm a huge advocate for personal development, um, reading, you know, TED Talks, podcasts, all of that, because you have to get your mind right before you can compete. And I think she did a great job of, um, you know, showcasing that at the Olympics. And hopefully that makes other people step up and feel like, wow, I need to take a step back to work on myself, to work on, to get my head right before I get back into my game.
1: Yeah, and with all the opposition, especially to Simone Biles, and um, I think Naomi Osaka, um, just, it's definitely a a sign of maturity and resilience i guess or more commitment to themselves that they were able to stand by their decisions um, in face of like all that opposition um and that opposition otherwise we could call it mental health stigma i guess mm-hmm. um what would you say mental health stigma looks like on a sports team and how can athletes and or coaches, Fight that.
2: Um, I would say it looks like the just the terminology, uh, you know, suck it up, um, things like things like that, and it's hard because it's changed from when I was in high school to even when I was in college. Um, it was very different when I was in college. Um, you just did it. They called it mental toughness, you know. And you never thought like there was no choice. It was just you you did what you had to do and you fought through it. And I think it looks like phrases like just suck it up or you're being a baby or it's like that talking down at you. Um, And I think that can be, you know, I think that can be changed by the verbiage that coaches use and players use when they talk when they talk to their teammates. So I, you know, I really do think that teams and coaches need more, you know, training or awareness on mental health because you don't realize how your words are impacting um, your players or your teammates. So it's, and it's just that, um, that old school, old school verbiage, old school, um, how you, you um, treat others in in sports right it's just the way it was right so we need to change that and ways that you can change that are um are just I think calling people out so for teammates right you don't really want to call it your coach but um teammates calling each other out like if someone is struggling or falling behind and you notice someone is um you know talking down to them, belittling them, making them feel small. It's, it's being an upstander. This is what I'm teaching our kids at school, right? Like to, to say something, to stand up and say, Hey, like, uh, you know, like that's not okay. That's not how we talk to our teammates. That's not, that's, that's not what we, that's not what we do here, you know? And I think as teammates, you, it's so important that we have to check in with each other. How are you doing today? Like on and off the court. How are you doing? What's going on? Um always presenting yourself to be available for each other so that people don't feel alone in their um, in what's going on in their head.
0: Yeah. Uh that's actually one of the reasons why uh like volleyball is one of my favorite sports because I feel like the community and like the family element of volleyball is really present uh and there's just like a lot of emphasis especially at my club on being positive and being there for your teammates. And I think that's really important. So uh, lastly, we wanted to know uh, how how coaches can help athletes who are struggling with their mental health in a supportive way while still trying to coach them into a better athlete. Because I think a lot of coaches think, oh, I can't go easy on my athletes. I have to be tough on them. So how do you think they can find that balance?
2: Yeah, um, I think it's learning um, and asking them what's their, what do they respond best to? So this year with my club team, I asked everyone um, in a circle in front of everyone, you know, like, um, what kind, like, what did I say? Um, What do you want? how do you respond best when you're making mistakes? But I had some girls answer who, you know, just wants the um, high five and jokes. And there's some people who are like, you can be hard on me. You know, everyone had a different variety of answers because everyone is different, you know? And I talk a lot about when someone is failing or making mistakes and like in volleyball, this the first place where my mind goes you have to give eye contact you have to hit each other's hand you have to come into the middle these are the things that you do who support each other right in in the play um but i think coaches need to have that conversation whether it's with the team all together or individually hey how can i talk to you like am am i um can i you know and you have to kind of figure it out too you learn those players that you can joke with, or you learn those players that you can be hard on. But I think some coaches don't take that extra step to, to see it's just like in school. How do you learn best? Do you learn from me listening? Do you learn from doing, you know, from watching? So coaches need to take that extra step. And just so you can't coach every player the same, you know, you can't just say, I'm going to be tough with everyone. Like, you have to differentiate because each individual is different and not saying that, Oh, she's sensitive or things like that. No, you just have to say things a different way. You have to approach someone a different way. You have to coach them differently. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you so much uh, for all of your amazing insight. Uh, We're so happy that you were able to be here. And I think And I hope that all of the viewers of this episode were able to learn something a little bit more about how both athletes and coaches can foster a safer environment that prioritizes mental health.
2: Thanks for having me. Thank you so much.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider a donation to support youth working for inclusive athletics across the country visit ycdiversity.org.